And thank you, Allie, for leading us in worship this morning. She did a wonderful job. Thank you so much. Uh, well, we opened, I think Allie saw that text um, that I said, here, this is going to be our scripture for scripture memory. Like, oh, no, what are we talking about today? Like, like, like surprise, we're going to Revelation and reminding you that Jesus is coming soon. And so if you were wondering when I was going to talk to you about this, today is the day that I tell you that Jesus will, in fact, return on January 1st, 2022. Okay, this is that day. Uh, isn't it? You know, that's ridiculous. It's definitely going to be 2023. So uh, we're actually going to you know, want to do something with that verse uh, in just a few moments. But um, I do before I move on to, to that idea. You know, I, I just every time I, I, I look at that text, because that's the last basically we're, we're at the last part of the whole book of Revelation there. Right. I do believe that the word of the Lord for all of us in each and every moment, the one thing that God is always speaking is I think he would want to grab all of you by that part in the arms, you know, like just where, like, I don't want you to go anywhere. Just let me look in your eyes and I want you to hear this. And he would say, I am coming soon. And with those words of the burden that the, the Lord has for us, that none perish that when that day comes and in revelation also says that he will wipe every tear from his eyes. And honestly, that tear really is, is, it has a lot to do with the Lord's eyes, that one day he's going to have to tell a portion of his creation to depart from me. And so I think the Lord's heart for us is always to have a sense of urgency that he is coming soon. So we do not know the day or the hour, but we know that he is coming soon. Amen? Amen. And so, that, so whenever we read those words, uh, we need to, take, to keep that in mind. And so, but what I want to do with this text, we're going to be in a lot of different texts today. Since we're, we're uh, going to be doing this kind of six-week series on anxiety, and I was, it, it took us a little while, but then it, there turned out to be a lot of interest for this. Um, and so I wanted just to take two Sundays and do a simple series on anxiety and then let all of you decide. Maybe we need to, maybe if, if, if you need to be a part of this too uh, on, on Sunday morning, which we're going to start on the first Sunday in October, October 3rd. And I want to do this series called Distortions, Distortions That Fuel Anxiety. And some of what I'll share for the few of you that turned out for that co- for the um, Coffee with Pastor, some of, this, you'll, some of that stuff you'll hear again this morning. But I think we can all conclude that everybody's got some level of anxiety, right? Can we agree? All right, so if, if we can do that, we can all laugh at ourselves a little bit, right? Because I had three, you know, I got to look, when I come up with jokes on Sunday, I got to look through some really rotten stuff sometimes, okay? Yes, it's, it's hard for me. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. But I have to deal with some junk sometimes just to get a, a joke that I can share in church. And these came, I thought these were good. These came out of nowhere. But, I mean, they came up right away. It's like, that's, that's really good. That's really true. So I just want to say a few things to everyone out there, everyone in our church, everyone out there that's suffering from anxiety. I want you to know you're not alone. There is someone right behind you, okay? I have, <laughs> it takes a minute, doesn't it? This one's going to take a minute, too. I have a great joke. I have a great joke I came up with about social anxiety. You ready? <sighs> Who am I kidding? You guys all hate it. Never mind. And last one. My boyfriend just left me because of my anxiety disorder. Oh, never mind. He just went to grab a cup of coffee. So today we're going to talk a little bit about this, okay? We're going to spend a couple of weeks and we're going to talk about the distortions that fuel 
anxiety, and I call this a call to return to unadulterated biblical truth. And so before we really even get into this too far, I want to I want to, you know, just give you a, a basic definition, a basic definition. If you would just look up on the Internet, you would see a definition that's for anxiety that would say a feeling of worry, nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with uncertain outcome. Um, uh, a feeling of worry, wor- nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. A definition I often use, you've heard me use even on Sunday morning, is being consumed with, with all of the things that we cannot control um, or being consumed with the things that we cannot control right now. So before we get into uh, these distortions that fuel this unhealthy anxiety, I just want to begin by reminding you that you wonder why we even have this emotion, if it's just this the kind of intensity that we have, this excessive worry that we have. Why was that even given to us? Well, it was given to us. There's a functional level of anxiety that we we're created to have. When you woke up this morning, there was a handful of things you had to do just to come to church, right? You had to maybe take a shower. You had to put your clothes on. You had to probably eat something. There was a little bit of planning involved in getting from point A to point B. Uh, we have God-given faculties that we have been given that allow us to prepare, to think about the things we need to do before it's actually time for us to do them. That was a gift from God. We can agree on that, right? We need that part of our mind to work where we can plan for things before they actually happen. But anxiety, that's a functional level of anxiety that we all have, we all need. But what we've done with this is we've exasperated it, we've exaggerated it, and we've, we've let that, that feeling of, uh, to, to overwhelm many different other areas of our life. And so before I talk to you about what a distortion is and what we're going to get after in this, this series this week and next, I just want to begin uh, with a word of prayer and allow you to find yourself in the middle of this experience and allow the Lord to speak to you about this challenge that many of us have. So let's pray. Well, Lord, today in this service, we need your voice more than we need mine. We need our hearts to be soft so that we can hear from the living God. We need to hear in, in moments that, that to have a moment like this and be reminded that the creator of the universe is speaking to us. The creator of the universe wants to bring us a peace that we don't have this morning. The creator of the universe wants to remind us who we are, what we were created for, and also remind us what we were not created for, that we often chase after. So, Lord, help us to be in this moment. Help us to be fully present as we hear your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So distortions are, uh, you could say, uh, the number one thing um, that fuels an excessive anxiety. Remember, anxiety is a good uh, anxiety is a functional level of this is a good thing, but distortions are often the problem. So that's just a word to explain something to you. What what a dis- distortion is. A distortion is something that there's that we think about in our mind that has got a little bit of truth in it. There's a little bit of truth there. 
but we in our mind have manipulated that truth and added or taken away so much to it that it's no longer true. There's some truth there, but it's not mostly true anymore. It's mostly our manipulated idea about things. Let me give you a few verses. I want to talk about this a little bit more. The first one in 2 Timothy uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here, listen to this part, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And I don't want this to be such a stretch. What I'm saying is that, that we, see, we can see this for ourselves with our own eyes, that there is a form of religion, a form of faith that people have that has got some truth in it. But so much, if all these other things are going on, then it's not really the gospel that is being preached. If we claim to have faith, but yet we're boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to our parents, ungrateful and holy, without love, unforgiving, we're not the real thing, are we? So it's a distortion itself of faith. We can confess whatever we want. We can say whatever prayer we want. We can look really good when we come to church. But if there's no authenticity behind it, it's really just a distortion. And so the next verse, Acts 19.30, says Paul wanted, oh, Brody, you dork. I put the wrong verse in there. Some way, somehow, I put the wrong verse in there. I think it might have been. Uh, 9 or 19.30, but I mean, it might have been 9.30 or something else. But anyway, I messed up. So that happens every once in a while when you're punching a bunch of scriptures together. So the title is to return, is, is the distortions of fuel anxiety, and to return to the unadulterated truth of the Word of God. So put that Revelation 22, 18 through 21 back up there. What's the problem and this, the warning in verse 18 comes to those who hear the word of God here, and specifically in this case, the revelation, and, and we're adding to it or taking away from it. And that's the problem. That's what a distortion is. That's what a distortion in our mind is. And what's funny is that this, when I used to teach a Bible in a Christian school, this is the same exact language we used to help people identify what a cult is. A, a cult is, is, is a group of people that adds, often add something to the gospel. They take away something to the gospel, or they multiply the things that you need to do to be a part of the true kingdom of God, or they divide themselves in many ways that says we're the true way. So you got that addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. These are the things that form a cult. So what obviously happens to us when we start to believe these distortions I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but it's like all of us, we have like this own personal cult in our head. Like we hear the word of God, we believe things about it, but in our minds we're adding things that we like and or that, we, that we really want to do that maybe it's not in God's word. And then we take away the things in scripture that we don't like because uh, I don't know if I can believe that. I don't know if I can live my life like that. And so we have this little cultish way of working for us in our own heads. And so it's like we come to church and everyone else sees us as a nice person. But throughout the week, we're drinking the Kool-Aid, getting ready to catch Haley's Comet, and ready to do anything that Tom Cruise tells us to do, right? Yeah. So that was a joke about three different types of cult, okay? The first one was the Jim Jones, the second was the Haley's Comet, and the third was Scientology, okay? Just if, if you need help tracking with that one. But that's what this like is. This, this, 
distorted stuff that we, if we're really honest, call ourselves Christ followers. We know the truth. We know what we're supposed to believe. But what fuels our anxiety is that we've distorted it in some way. This doesn't make you a non-Christian by any means. This doesn't mean you're not a believer. This is just all part of the struggle. You're not necessarily saying that these things are right or not trying to join people to your cause. I know the word says this, but, and there's the problem, right? I know what God's word says, but usually when we've made that statement, we're already about to say something next that we probably shouldn't say, or we already know we shouldn't say. You know, that happens to me um, I love, uh, Ruby said to me, she used to have this friend that would say, Hey, I just want you to know I'm a Christian, but I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Okay. And, and it's like people as a pastor, people feel like they have to introduce, <laughs> introduce themselves sometimes with their weakness. Hey, I love Jesus, but I still drink a lot. Okay. Just want you to know that I love Jesus. I still smoke a lot. Uh, you know, um, these are, these are things that people feel like they have to, uh, <laughs> use as part of their introduction. Um, but I guess if we're honest, this is what's true of all of us. We've all got some way, some distorted view of the gospel that I'm not going to say it works for us because it doesn't. And that's what my point is today. We've created a distortion of the gospel, something that we're not going to, we've chosen not to believe or something additional that we've chosen to believe that if we're really honest in this room today, It's not working for us. It's actually leaving us more bound, and it's fueling much of our anxiety. Some of the most destructive distortions that we have are based on our worst-case scenarios. You've all got your worst-case scenarios right now about what could happen if I don't do this, or what could happen if this works out this way. You've probably been thinking of them even before you came to church today. We have these horror stories in our heads. And so let's talk today. Uh, today I'm going to kind of get three negative or a couple negative distortions. And then the next week I'm going to talk about the distortions that we have about God. The things that we actually have a negative portrayal of. But God's portrayal is incredibly positive. It's incredibly relieving. It, it brings peace if we will just accept his truth. But today... I want to talk first about a couple of them that are negative distortions that we have that keep us bound in many different ways. The first one, these are right there in your, uh, these are right there in your bulletin handout. The first one is control. Control. Uh, Colossians 1.17. Colossians 1.17 says that he, referring to God, is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says that, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Listen to this metaphor that Jeremiah gave. This is brilliant. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Listen to this. It does not fear when the heat comes. You ever see a tree scared, do you? Sometimes, man, if I was just a tree, I wouldn't get scared, right? So it does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. 
It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now, Jeremiah is doing something that Jesus did when he, here when he gave the parable about uh, when he gave the parable about the birds. Like, I take care of these things. The tree doesn't get fearful. It, it, it's known that at the end of the day, even if things are tough right now, ultimately, it's going to be taken care of because the source of his provision comes from something much bigger than him, comes from something that, that from them, it comes from something that they cannot control. And referring right to that text that I just talked about, Luke 12, verses 25 through 26. Luke 12, verses 25 through 26. I got that one in there? There we go. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you, you get the verse 26 there? Why do you worry about the rest? These are Jesus' words. And what does Jesus say about the effectiveness of worrying? Is it effective? It does absolutely nothing for you. It gets you absolutely nowhere, and instead it actually takes you backwards. Now, so worry is our futile attempt. Hear me. Worry is our futile attempt to have control over the things we are not in control of. This is a definition, again, of anxiety. I'm going to say that one more time so you can maybe hear this definition the next time you begin to worry about something, okay? Worry is our futile attempt to have control over the things that we are not in control of. Now, there is an imbalance. There's this problem with this idea of control that we're talking about, okay? Because here's what, and this is, this is, this is what we, have, we spend time doing, of course, in counseling. And just when, we ha- when we're anxious about something, we could easily write a list down of all the things we're anxious about. And almost every one of those, most of those things are going to fall into a category of things that you cannot control, that are out of your control. We're anxious about those things. And our anxiety is that we're trying to, con- in our own way, in our own distortion, in our own distorted way, we're attempting to control them. And the problem with that is when we live in this world, if we would take all of the stressors in our life and the things that are challenging us, we could actually take a look at another column of of things that we can control. And if we start putting some things down in that category regarding some of our most stressful things in life, there's actually quite a bit that you can do. There are things you could do to relieve some of the stress in your life. There are things that you can control. But the problem is, I hope you're hearing me this morning, The problem is we spend so much time consumed with the things that we can't control that we don't do the stuff that we can, that God gave us the faculties, the abilities, the gifts to do. And we live in this procrastinated, anxious world and get consumed with our fears and live in a distorted world of thinking somehow, if I just think about this enough, if I just stew on this enough, if I just let this fester enough, somehow it's going to work out. But church, as I just said in Luke, does it work for you? No. So we have to learn how to identify this as a distortion of a twisted manipulation Uh, This idea of control. And the most beautiful thing when it comes to this is that you sit here in this church 
You're Christ followers. So you have a place. You have something to do with the things in your life that you cannot control. You have a place to put those things and rest these things in the hands of the living God and say, Lord, I trust you with these things. I don't have control, but Lord, you do. We can spend some time in prayer, as the the beautiful song says, take our burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Say, I trust you with these things that I cannot control. So control is the first distortion. The second one is pursuits. Pursuits, the things that we pursue. Now, I'm going to read this verse to you, but I want you to look at Don't put that up there yet, um, Chris. And, and I, want to, I want to invite all of you um, to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second. Because this verse could be all you need as far as a message this morning. This might be all you need to get out of this message this morning, okay? I want to read this verse to you, but before we do this, I want you to think about the thing that maybe you've come into church this morning. I just had a feeling as before we started service that some people would, would, would kind of carry in some baggage, some burdens this morning, whether you're mad about something, whether you're exhausted, whether you're frustrated, whether there's just this thing that you want so bad, if this will just change for me in my life, then... Whatever that is, I want you to hear this verse this morning because it's going to sound harsh, but I want you to know it can actually be a relief. So you just keep your eyes closed, heads bowed, and let the Lord speak this over you. Here's a word from James, guided by the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and put that verse up there for me, uh, Chris. James, keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. James 4, 1 through 3. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. And he says, so you kill. But then he says, you covenant, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And before you lift up your heads and your eyes, I just want you to hear clearly what the Lord is saying through this verse. Is that there's a lot of things that you are chasing. There's a lot of things that you want so bad that I never intended for you. And the litmus test for that is, well, why don't you pray about these things to me? And oftentimes it's because we put these things in a department that, oh, God doesn't want to hear about my desire for this. We were created to be able to come to the Lord with all things. But he says to us, maybe some of the things that you want so bad, I never even wanted for you. We need to hear the word of the Lord say, I have something better for you this morning. So you can lift up your heads and your eyes this morning. The Lord has something better for us, but we become so consumed with our pursuits, our pursuits that he never intended for us. And he said, you know, as as I said, the litmus test is whether we can pray for this or not. Maybe you've ever said, like even just before a ball game, like, God, give me this win because I know you love us more than you love these other people, right? It doesn't really work that way. Like, 
Uh, does God really care who wins in a contest? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if he's keeping score. If he has his team, you know, if he's wearing a Bengals jersey in heaven. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think it works that way. But a lot of the things we want so bad that we pursue so hard, we already know this in our bones that hey, this isn't really. A pri- we we feel the spirit of God say this. You know, this isn't the primary piece of my will. And if you want this so bad, come to me in prayer. Why don't you come to me in prayer with this? And James is pointing out this hypocrisy. He's saying, we don't come to it in prayer because we know it doesn't have anything to do with God, does it? It's just us being selfish. It's us being ambitious. It's us pursuing our own agendas, and it doesn't have anything to do with God. And so then how about, again, today, this is the stuff that fuels our anxiety. This is the distortion that somewhere we've told ourselves that chasing after whatever it is, chasing after money, chasing to get ahead of somebody else and making others feel inferior to you, feeling, you know, the, these kinds of things were never meant to be part of the equation. They're actually counter to the gospel. Vengeance, getting back at someone who wronged you in a, in a nasty, negative way. Sorry, it's just not part of the gospel. It doesn't work. And if you want to keep chasing that, you're going to, that distortion, you're going to have a lot of anxiety because you're always going to be looking over your shoulder for that next person, for that person right in the joke that's standing right behind you. We need to learn how to let go of some of these distortions. Learn how to let go of these, these false versions of the truth, the things that maybe that we're pursuing that God never intended for us. Luke 12, 31 says this, but seek his kingdom and these things will be added. Some of the things that, that we're pursuing are really secondary, but the Lord says, seek my kingdom first, and I'm going to give you the stuff that you need. He even says, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. So even some of the stuff, the resources that we have can be used for the furtherment of his kingdom. And finally, the final distortion. Now this one is trust problem with this one is how we spin it in a negative way. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. At the end of the day, every distortion that we have must be placed in this light where we hear the Lord say to us, do you trust me? We're going to keep that verse up there the rest of the message today, Chris. Do you trust me? Do you believe me? Do you believe Romans 8.28? That God is working for your good, for those that love him, for those who have been called according to his purpose. Do you believe this? So see, the distortion is that we talk about trust and faith, but we don't really practice it sometimes. We can talk about it, but when it comes down to practicing it, this, this is oftentimes where, where we fall short because this faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. These are strong words. Being sure of the things you can't control. 
being sure that God's going to work them out for his purposes, for things being better, being, being certain of the things that you cannot see, the things that, again, that you don't have in control, you don't even know how it's all going to work out. Do you trust me? Do you believe me? Or is, or is your trust simply just lip service? It's just the thing you say because you know you're supposed to when another brother and sister in Christ tells you, well, I'm trusting God. I'm trying to have faith. And I know that this is hard, but being sure of sure that we are, of what we are in control of and that God is working out for us and that what we're not in control of, his ways are better than ours and that we are part of a bigger picture than ourselves. So I want you to recognize this, that your anxiety and your peace, which are opposites, right, to each other, is the ultimate opportunity, is one of the most ultimate opportunities that you have to glorify God because it is your, it is your own internal trust meter, trustometer, right? Or trust, uh, trustometer. I just made this word up, so it's worked. There's no wrong way to spell it, okay? It's your own uh, trust thermometer. I'm just keep evolving the definition as I go. It's your own trust thermometer. Are you highly anxious about things? It's probably a thermometer. I don't really trust God with all this crazy stuff that's happening in my life. And I think, so let me be real, real, real square and real clean about this because I know a lot of people, it's like, well, things haven't really worked out that well in the past. Like, I've had other situations that weren't as bad as this turn out a lot worse. And now I'm in another situation and I'm fearful. I'm, I'm fearful that things are going to go uh, from bad to worse. And then I hear just a preacher tell me just to trust God with this. And see, this is a crazy scenario because everything in, everything in our, our life and the person sitting next to you is so often based on our own comparisons. Based on our comparisons of something we've went through in the past. Based on our comparisons of, of what someone else is going through. Why don't they have these problems? Why don't they have these challenges? And comparison itself is one of those pursuits that gets us in a lot of trouble. We find ourselves again, time and time again, saying, I, I don't, this feels like something I went through before. I'm scared of what's going to happen next. And we use the past, we use whatever else in our history is an opportunity not to trust God. And the Lord simply says, because see, he's in the business of making us strong within the things that we do, not, we do not control. Within the things that we do not get to, maybe we never even get to work out in our lifetime. The things that we will never know. And that's what the book in Hebrews and the, the Hall of Faith in Hebrews was, was all about. A people who did not get to see things through to uh, they, they got to see them through to fruition, but they trusted God and believed in him through each and every moment. And this is your moment. This is your moment with, uh, with those things that you cannot see. Those things that you cannot control. We have a place to put what we can't control. And so the question that the Lord presents to us in the midst of our anxiety and the lack of our peace he says, do you trust me? Do you trust that I have something better for you? And do you believe my word that I am the God who is with you? Let's pray. Well, Lord, we thank you that you are a God that is present with us. 
that you have not left us just to our own means to figure things out. Rather, we've been created to recognize that there are some things we're just not going to be able to figure out. There are some things that we can say with great relief that we are not in control. But Lord, you are. And whenever we're ready, at any moment in our life, at any moment in time, that can be one of the biggest exhales that we need and say, thank you, Lord, for reminding me that I am not God and I am part of your plan. I'm part of something bigger than myself. And so, Lord, in this situation, I'm going to draw near to you. I'm going to do the things that I can control, that I've been given the gifts and the faculties to control, and I'm going to give you the stuff that I can't. And I'm going to find that peace that passes all understanding because I know this is what I was created for, to walk in the face of many challenges and many obstacles and still be a man and a woman of God that has joy, that has comfort, and walks with confidence each and every day in the person you've created them to be and the God that they serve. May that be our heart and may that be our call this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand this morning for your benediction. May you give God control of all of the things in your life that you cannot control and seek first his kingdom and know that the Lord is working all things out for the good of those who love him, for you who has been called according to his purpose. God bless you and have a wonderful week.
Mic test, mic test of Rudy's mic. Mic test, mic test, mic test. Da, 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 da. Does it cut out? Does this cut out? Is this intermittent? Talk, 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 talk. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Does this cut out? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Does this cut out? Does it cut out? Does it cut out? Is this still cutting out? Does it cut out? Does it cut out? <laughs> I was trying not to talk over anybody. So this was a little bit loose on top, but I went and took the pair that was still on there. Okay. Um, and I'm just seeing if it's it not does. How many issues? Well, I don't. I haven't been talking as long as you have, so I don't know if I've given it enough opportunity to cut out yet. So, uh, but. I mean, we just started, and typically it's worse than the beginning, so I think it would have cut out by now if it was going to. Yeah, top is loose, and then I don't know which batteries were in there, um, but this is the set that was on that side that was charging all the service. So, yeah, so this does seem to be better. If, if it does get frustrating again next week, just signal me, and I'll run you up mic number two.